music finish there. The dramatic entrance. I feel like I'm walking into a war movie or something, you know? It's, it was good. Well, good morning. My name's Del. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. For those of you who may be new or joining us online for the first time, and it is a great day to be together. Amen? Amen. I'm sure none of you would rather be outside on this beautiful, beautiful day. Uh, instead, we're in here. And maybe this summer, well, not maybe, we will be getting outside at some point. Uh, I wish I would have known the weather forecast. For those of you who were with us last year, you probably remember some of those colder, rainier days. As in this part of the, the country, you just never know uh, exactly what kind of weather we're going to get until you wake up in the morning, right? So anyway, but do appreciate you guys joining us today. And we are excited to, again, jump into an amazing study in the book of Acts. I love series on the books of the Bible uh, because it makes us have to stop and to look at every single piece of what the Bible says, right? Uh, too often times in church, as I think, uh, can be the case where people... We kind of can, well, all of us, let's just say people, us, we can sidestep those more challenging scriptures that maybe we don't want to apply to our lives. But going through kind of, you know, chapter by chapter really causes us to take a hard look. And so I do hope you all wore some open-toed shoes today uh, because we're going to do a lot of stepping on toes. Um, and through this series, that's going to be the case. And it's, it's good, though, for us, right? How many people love to just have your toes stepped on from time to time? I think it's just a nice way that the, the Spirit of God really gets our attention and, and begins to work in our hearts on things. And so we're obviously uh, we're going to be in the book of Acts. Uh, we're beginning today with something a little different. We're going to do an introduction, uh, and we're going to just barely uh, touch maybe that first chapter a little bit. Uh, we're going to lay some groundwork today, and so I do hope you'll um, stay with me. And next week is Mother's Day. Did anybody not know that? So me and Pastor Tony both have told you and reminded you, so I hope if you didn't get that gift or get something taken care of, you know now, okay? So you can thank us later, but take care of that. Next week, we'll be here for Mother's Day. We'll have a special message. And so then the following week, we'll jump back into the series and really get rolling uh, for the, the next few weeks after that. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 1. And, you know... We're going to begin here today with this idea, as, as you saw, or you see up on the screen, uh, of unfinished. And maybe some of you are like, well, what does that mean exactly? You know, wasn't everything finished, you know, with, with Jesus? And, well, yeah, that was finished, but the reality is, is we still have work to do as the church, don't we? We still have a mission. We still are uh, on, supposed to be on purpose. And so we're going to look at what this means today. And so, you know, this, this idea of on mission or having a mission, it always puts me, I don't know about you, and even with the music too probably, uh, it puts you kind of in this like sort of military thing, right? This mindset of, you know, we have missions to do. I remember when um, my unit was deployed to Iraq, we went to Kuwait, and then we had to drive from Kuwait to Baghdad. And I actually looked it up uh, last night. I was wondering. So it actually would take about six hours to drive on the highway that's there. But we had to go uh, at nighttime with uh, not, night vision goggles, NVGs, and drive very slow, big, heavy equipment. So it took us three days. And before that, though, we had to meet, and we had to get kind of our mission brief. We had to understand where we were going, what the plan was, and how all the pieces were going to work together. If we just kind of jumped in our trucks and said, hey, let's just go, and, and you need to have people driving that way and this way and, and whenever they wanted, it's about understanding what we're called to do, what our mission is, and then we can find what our role in that is and, and do it well, right? 
And so that's the idea here that we're approaching uh, today and in this series is, is this idea of mission. And how many here, has anybody here had a life verse before? You know, you kind of give a verse that God gives you. Yeah, a couple people. If you haven't, that's fine. You're still, you can hang out here. That's cool. Um, but we, we, it's called a life verse. And some people do that. Like, you know, God kind of puts a verse. And this is like, you know, what God sort of called me to in this season of life. And, you know, from that, uh, you can oftentimes build a, a mission statement for yourself. Has anybody done that? And it's okay. I, it's fine. Yep. A few people. And so some people build a mission statement based on maybe a verse or something uh, that God has shown them. And, and what it does is it allows them to really be a very selective of what they put their effort and energy and time to because it needs to fit with what they feel that God has called them to do. Now, it's going to fit in the context, of course, of the general purpose and mission of the church. But it really just helps to be very sensitive with where we put our time. And so, again, this idea of mission, or another way to say mission, is purpose. And that's the whole thought behind this, is the church being on purpose. And I believe today, if we really take a hard look at the state of the church, especially the church in America, I think in a lot of cases, we've lost sight of our purpose. We've lost sight of what it is that we have been called to do, that, that the church is still move, on the move, the church is still active, we are still on mission, but yet I think many of us, again, looking in the mirror at ourselves, feel maybe we're sitting on the bench, we're sitting on the sideline. We've gotten comfortable there, right? And so today, you know, this is the beginning of this, this uh, look at this, this, the book of Acts, the, the beginnings of the church. And you know what's amazing about looking at the church back at the beginning and the church now? Is that the mission is still the same. And back then, in that time, they were probably facing even greater things than we face now. Now, again, we look around at society around us. We look at maybe where the trajectory of the things of the world are going. And I think it can be very discouraging for us at times, can it? But the reality is, is not too many of us in this room, by choosing to say yes to Jesus, said, well, and if, that comes, if death comes with that, then so be it. If I'm martyred for my faith, then so be it. Right? And that's just the reality. You know, that's just because of where we live, the freedoms we have. We've not faced the kind of persecution that the church at the beginning faced. But you know what the good news is? It started with 12. And, and when, we get, when we see here in a couple of weeks, the day of Pentecost, there's about 120. And do you know that we're sitting here on the other side of the world in this room today because of that handful of people and what happened and the impact that, that Jesus had and the Spirit of God had on their, their lives, they turned the world upside down, didn't they? And so don't ever think that, you know, if you look at this congregation, we're about around 100, between 100 and 200 people. Don't think that, that there's an insignificance when you look at another congregation that's thousands and thousands of people. God can do amazing things with a handful of people that are sold out and that are on purpose and on mission. Amen? And so that's what my prayer for us as a church today and through this series is to be reminded and to look and to be challenged at what our reason, our purpose, and our mission is. So um, 
Again, hope you're comfortable in your seats. We're going to do a bit of front load here of just looking at the book of Acts, kind of what some of the elements are, the, the, the context, the author, the date, some of those things, just so we can really understand as we prepare to get into this series of, of what uh, was going on at that time, which is, again, what we always say here, you know, being understanding context, it just really helps us as we approach the scripture. And so um, let's, let's begin with the author, all right? The author here... Uh, Everybody pretty much agrees that it's, it's Luke that is writing this, uh, wrote, wrote the book of Acts. Uh, the uses of the, the terms we and us throughout it, um, they eliminate other possibilities uh, because of, of some of the people that were with the Apostle Paul. And so we always see Paul and Luke together. And Luke is mentioned actually by name in Colossians 4.14 as being present with Paul. So we see that, again, Luke was with Paul. They traveled a lot together, and he kind of is, is getting all of this, uh, this information while he's traveling with Paul through this time. Now, anybody heard of another book in the Bible with the name Luke? <laughs> the Gospel of Luke, right? And the thing about how these work together is it, they are, if you read the end of Luke and you read the beginning of Acts, it seems to be like you start to think like, hey, I think I've read this before. Well, the way that he wraps up in the Gospel of Luke, he sort of picks back up and re- recaps for you uh, as he begins to go forward through Acts. And so you, you are right. There's a bit of a, an overlap there. But throughout, throughout Luke as well, and, and more pointing to his authorship, I'm sorry, not Luke, uh, Acts. I had a really hard time in the first service, by the way, between the Gospel of Luke and I kept calling it the Gospel of Acts. So just bear with me, and I'll, I'll do my best here today. But... Um, the frequent uses, there's also medical terms used, because Luke was a physician. Luke was a very intelligent person, very intelligent man, and, and so he, he brings a lot of these medical terms through, and so again, even more so points to the fact that it's, he's most likely the author of, Luke, of, of Acts. Um, let's move to the date and the time period, because that's important too. So most likely it lands around 61 AD, okay, 61 AD a few years ago, right? Most likely, it was written in Rome while with Paul during his house arrest. And um, a later writing, they say, is unlikely uh, due to the fact that there's some key events like uh, the burning of Rome, Paul's martyrdom, and the destruction of Jerusalem. And so uh, we, we really see kind of the, the time period. And they, they say also that it looks like it spans about 30 years. And so uh, I told the first service, it's not going to take us 30 years to go through this, uh, which is a good news, right, for all of us. Anybody good with that? So, um, but I think it'll take about four hours today to get the intro done. So, um, but it spans about 30 years. And, and so what's, what's the purpose of, of Acts? And that's one thing, when we read a, a book of the Bible, um, you know, you, to understand what, what was the, when the, the writer was writing, the author was writing, what was he really trying to, to drive home? And, you know, I've touched on this a little bit already, but it, it, again, this serves as a bridge between Jesus' kind of time on earth when he was walking the earth and the early church and the beginning of the church, right? The early church. And when you see the Gospel of Luke, it's really about Jesus and what he was doing. And then Acts uh, kind of moves to more about how the church is, is, is going forward and being birthed. Now, don't think that it, it's only about the church because the whole, all of Scripture is about one person, which is who? Jesus, right? Jesus is like the letter C on a test, by the way, if you didn't know that. If somebody asks you a question to say Jesus, lead with that. That's usually good. But it's about Jesus. And so even with the early church, yes, it's about the church. But what is the church called? You know, Jesus is called the head. The church is called the body, right? It's all one. So it's still 
seeing Jesus through in the same power that Jesus walked in, we see the early church uh, walking in as well. Um, again, it records, Acts records the spread of Christianity. Uh, it, it talks about, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be celebrating uh, something called Pentecost Sunday, right? This is the, the we celebrate the day when the, the Holy Spirit came. And, you know, on, at Christmas time, we celebrate the birth of that was your chance. It's Jesus. See? Oh, man. Whew. You guys are tough today. Jesus. It's Jesus. Okay? Okay. So we celebrate at Christmas time the birth of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you. All right. We're on our way. So Jesus. Okay? So it's Jesus. But when, we, when Pentecost Sunday comes, we celebrate really the birth of the church. The church is born. It, it begins. It began in that time. And so it's exciting. And that's why we're excited to celebrate it here in a couple weeks. And amazingly enough, the series is going to land. So we land on chapter 2 where it talks about, see how that all worked? Yeah, we're going to be on Pentecost Sunday. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So it's going to be good. Don't, you don't want to miss it. So again, let's keep on moving. Explain... <laughs> The book of Acts purpose, okay, it explains what our mission and our purpose is, both as a church but as followers of Christ, all right? So the book of Acts, and this is what I said as we were kind of ramping up to this, I think now more than ever we need to hear this message. We need to be reminded of what our mission is, what our purpose is, and how, you know, again, we gain inspiration. We watch and see how the early church functioned and began, and I think that it will, you'll see it will apply very beautifully to where we are today. Finally, in our, our little preparation session here, uh, the outline of Acts really comes down to the Great Commission that shows up here in verse 8. He, he lays it out. First, they, he's, you know, the, the early Christians of the early church is told to what? To wait in Jerusalem for what? The promise of the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to come. Now remember, Jesus, when he left, he said, it's good that I go away. And the disciples are like, why in the world would it be good for you to leave? You know, we kind of liked you. We're getting, <laughs> this is working out well. And so, but Jesus is saying, it's good that I go because the comforter will come. The, the, the Holy Spirit will come to earth. And so, again, so we see that at the beginning here. And, and so we're going to see it Acts, and we're going to get into this just a little bit today um, as they, they are beginning to wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, how many here love to wait? No, nobody really, Right. We just don't, we don't like that. And if you remember last year, we actually did a series called The Unhurried Life. If you haven't heard that, I would encourage you to go back because it's, it's just really talking about slowing things down, waiting on the Lord. We did a short series on Psalms about waiting on the Lord. This is, this is biblical. This is how we're supposed to. We, we want to wait for God's direction. We want to wait for God's empowering to do what we're called to do, right? But we don't want to get stuck there in the waiting either, right? So again, the, the outline of Luke is, is receive, or when he writes here in Acts, is to receive from the Holy Spirit. And then he basically, you see him walk out. So there's witnesses in Jerusalem. And then it goes from there to Judea and Samaria. And then witnesses to the ends of the earth. Okay, and so it's just where it starts small and it continues to grow. It's like we start here in Long Grove. We go to northern Illinois. And we go to, you know, the United States or to the, to the world. All right? Same kind of idea. And so that's going to kind of be the outline for, for Acts as we uh, press forward here. And so now I do want to jump into the scripture. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to begin today. I'm just going to read uh, verses 1 through 5 as we jump in here. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, In the first book, O Theophilus, 
I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He had presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for, Lord, just this, uh, these next few moments, Lord God, just to, to dig into your word, Lord God. May it just uh, strike our hearts, Father, in, in such a real and powerful way, God, that, that we would be changed. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that, that as we read through Acts and we see the early church, Lord, we can see, Lord, ourselves as well and, and, and the things that we're dealing with, the challenges we're facing with are really no different, Lord, than that time. And so, God, we trust that uh, you will just uh, speak to us, and, God, that we would truly uh, turn our hearts, Lord, to you today as we hear from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, you know, we jump in here into in to Acts, and it, he starts right out the, the gate here with the first book. And, again, the first book is referring back to the Gospel of Luke, which is another kind of reference to its, its, its Luke writing. Um, the Gospel of Luke, again, we talked about, you know, was was really... It encapsulated Jesus' life, you know, on earth. It really charted that out. In Acts, we see there's, there's, uh, it focuses more on the power that Jesus walked in, the power that's available to the church through the Holy Spirit, um, which continued after his resurrection, Jesus' resurrection. And so, again, you may not realize Luke and Acts actually make up about a quarter of the New Testament. So two books, these two books really are a large chunk. And so, you know, there's, there's definitely something to note here. And then this person appears here at the beginning where he talks about in the first book, and he says, oh, Theophilus. And so who's this Theophilus guy? And, and the truth of the matter is we don't have a ton of information on Theophilus. We can only, you know, kind of pick up some of the, uh, what's going on just from what, what's there on the pages. Um, he does mention Theophilus as well um, back in uh, his, the Gospel of Luke. Is, uh, he's there as well. But his name, Theophilus, means dear to God or friend of God. And in Luke, again, he, he also, in, his, in the Gospel of Luke, he says, most excellent Theophilus. Now, how many of us here, when we're talking to our friend or our spouse, we say, you know, hello, most excellent Bob, or, you know, hey, most excellent Sally. Anybody use that? Will anybody use that, by the way? Can you do that and just let me know how that goes? I just want to see. You know, it would be very interesting, right, if somebody came up and said that to you. But this, this is not like uh, just a, a name. It's, this is a, a very respectful thing, and it, and it points to the fact that he was, this uh, Theophilus was probably somebody of very high status, and that, um, that, that Luke is, is writing these, these uh, letters to him, writing to him. Basically, people say either, one, maybe he might have been part of, you know, helping to finance what Luke was doing, or perhaps... Uh, Luke was trying to just share uh, about Christianity and, and, and paint it in a good light as, as, uh, as he was presenting it to Theophilus. And so, again, uh, we don't know just from what's written there. It's very short, but he, these are some of the ideas. And this is something, again, you don't build a church on who you think Theophilus is, all right? These are one of the things where we just kind of have to leave it sort of in the tension of we just don't, we don't know. And so, and that's okay. But we have at least an idea of, of maybe his status at that time. Luke also jumps into very quickly this person named Jesus, right? You've, we've heard about him already today. 
Jesus. And, and you know, he's, he's bringing uh, Jesus to the forefront here. And he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. And so, again, Luke is getting Jesus into the, the narrative very quickly about what he's all about. And, and then the, third, or the, the next person, the, the other person I want to touch on here briefly in this section, is the Holy Spirit. Again, the Holy Spirit comes very quickly onto the scene here, and Luke pushes him to the forefront. And so, you know, we see just uh, some very key uh, things happening, some key people, and, and that's something we're going to see throughout, the, throughout Acts is, is the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit at work within the church. You know, it's, you, know you read down through these, these verses, and we see that you know, in, in verse 3, it says, he, he, Jesus, presented himself alive and after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for 40 days. And for those that say, well, Jesus, you know, he was a spirit, or he did this or that, or you know, again, understand, Jesus presented himself in the flesh for a good amount of time, for 40 days. He ate with people. He walked with people. And so it really uh, puts to rest this idea or this notion that there wasn't a bodily resurrection of Jesus. It says that he was, and he, he was resurrected in body. And, you know, when we work down through that a little further, like I said, you know, it says to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And, you know, it says you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so I think, again, for us as a church and in our walk with God, we've got to learn to wait on God. We have to learn to wait for the timing, for what God is telling us to do. And then we have to be bold enough to step out and trust that his spirit will lead and guide us. Um, Continuing on in verse 6, it goes on and says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses, and here it is, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, again, the disciples are asking and they're saying, You know, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were always looking kind of for this, this takeover, if you will, right? Do you remember when Jesus came into town? When he came into Jerusalem, you know, they were all cheering, right? And what were they cheering? Well, they thought, hey, he's coming in. He's going to head to the palace, and he's going to take charge, and everything's going to be good for us now. But there was a very different, did that happen? <laughs> was that the case? It was a very different plan, wasn't there? And so here's, they're still looking like, is this the time when you come? Is this when it will happen? And so they're looking for, like, when is it going to be made right here on earth so then we can... <laughs> kick back a little bit and, and relax. But that wasn't the case, was it? And in verse 7, you know, they see, you know, he responds, he said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now, I'm, I consider myself middle-aged, all right? Hopefully that's, you know, it's consensus in the room. Uh, middle-aged, and, you know, with, with, with that, I was around... Uh, maybe some of you remember this, in, in 1988. Do you remember that year? Anybody? I'm not alone, right? I, I know I'm not alone. Come on, guys. <laughs> 1988. And I don't know if anybody remembers this. And if you do, or if you, were, you, know, if you participated at all, don't, you don't need to raise your hand unless you're really proud of that. But there was this thing going on. There was a book that came out, right? It was called this. It was called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. Anybody have one of those numbers? You can raise your hand if you did. 
No? Did you ever hear about it? Man, I must have been the only guy. My dad, I remember we're riding in this truck, and I'm in the back seat. It was like the four-door kind. My dad and his buddy, and this guy was like going through the list, the 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. We're all sitting here, aren't we? So, you know, it was like, okay, you know, after, you know, I was, a, I was like 12, I think, at the time. So I was pretty freaked out. You know, I'm like, okay, well, it's going to happen. And, you know, the whole time when, you know, you go and you can't find your parents and you're like looking around like, did I miss it? What's happened? Well, Jesus didn't come in 1988. You can still actually go to Amazon. Um, I think people are selling them now for like nostalgia purposes, like 50 bucks for this little pamphlet. And, um, and if I remember right, I'm pretty sure, I think the same author came out with 89 reasons <laughs> for why Jesus... I don't know. I think he did that. But, you know, all that to say, it, it didn't come to pass, did it? I mean, you know, and, and I'm like, well, maybe you should read the scripture where it says no one's going to know there. I think we can know the season, maybe. But to know the time and the hour. Now, please, nobody, I don't want to see no 22 reasons why Jesus is coming in 2022. Don't do it. All right? Don't do it. Set an appointment with me if you're thinking about it. We'll talk it through, okay? But, no, it's not, let's not focus on that. That's not the, the, the purpose. The, the reason, what we need to be focused on is what are we putting our hand to? We want to be found when Jesus comes. We want to be found with our hand to the plow. We want to be found on mission, don't we? We want to be found doing what we were left and, and to do, what we were supposed to be doing. And so spend less time, and this is what Jesus is saying, don't worry about that. Just do what I'm telling you to do, Right? And so this, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Notice it starts there with, but you will receive power. And so he gives them, you know, just like any father would do, he kind of slaps them on the hand, right? He's like, all right, guys, don't worry about that. He's like, but this, this is what I can tell you, is you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What is he saying? He's saying, you know, it's going to be a hard road ahead. Don't sit there looking for me to change all of this on earth. It's going to be a hard road, but you, will, you can walk that road out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's like his encouragement. He's reminding them that there's this power that's available. And this word power comes from the word dynamis. Dynamis. And it, it means potency. Okay? And some other ways to translate that too is, is it says possibility, capacity, or ability. How cool is that, right? Dynamis, of course, it sounds a lot like our word dynamite, doesn't it? And that's the same kind of thing. Has anybody seen a stick of dynamite blow up? Probably not too close, right? Or somebody's up there with like a nub. Like, yeah, I saw one. <laughs> um, four of you got that. Um, so, but yeah, you see dynamite. When it blows up, it's powerful, right? It's something's happened. And this is the same kind of power. We have a, a capacity. We have an ability that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit that is beyond ourselves, we always talk about, you know, God getting the glory. Well, that happens when we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit because people look and say, there's no way that you could have done that on your own. It had to be God through you, and that is how we walk through and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus walked this earth. Has anybody wondered why Jesus came to earth? Jesus came to earth. You know, a lot of people say, well, to, for the cross, right, to die for our sins. And, you know, and that's, that's true, but why didn't Jesus just come as a man, pop right there at the cross, and like, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's get it done. And so 
Instead, we see he grew up, and we don't know much about his childhood and things like that, but we see this three-year period. Why is it like that? Why is it documented so well? So we know how to walk out our life. He, he lived as an example for us, for you and for me, as to how we're supposed to walk in stride with the Spirit of God. I'm going I'm to touch back on the Gospel of Luke for just a moment in Luke chapter 4. In verse 1 we read this, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. I don't know about you, but that makes me a little nervous because Jesus is being led by the Spirit and the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. <laughs> what does that say to us today? You can be doing everything right. You can be walking in stride with the Spirit of God, but it may lead you to some difficult times. Not every time, not every single situation in life when it becomes hard is it necessarily meaning that you've done something wrong. Sometimes we are led to these places because God is wanting to work something in us and in our faith, and he wants to accomplish something, and we need to trust him. But here we see Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus, fully God, fully man. He didn't have sinful flesh like we're all born into. Adam didn't have sinful flesh either, did he? <laughs> but he chose sin. And so that's why Jesus is also called, he's called either the second Adam but also he's called, in some cases, people call him the last Adam, which may be more precise because there's not going to be a third Adam or a fourth Adam. Jesus is called the second or last Adam. Why? Because he was too tempted by Satan. But as we know, Jesus responded to Satan each time with what? The scripture, right? And he was, he was tempted in all these ways, and he, he came out of that. And then we see in, in verse 14 of chapter 4 of Luke, it says this, so he was, he was led in there full of the Holy Spirit and says that Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. And so the power of the Holy Spirit shows up. Let me just give you this, this, this note here. The power of the Holy Spirit shows up when God is wanting to show out. The power of the Holy Spirit shows up when God wants to show out. What does that mean? It is not just for our, oh, that feels great or that's wonderful or hey, God, give me this, give me your Holy Spirit so that I can go sit in my corner and just enjoy your presence. It's because when we are walking, when there's the power of the Holy Spirit shows up, it's for mission, it's for purpose. And so watch what happens here. Because in that same chapter, now Jesus rolls out of the wilderness. I don't think he takes a shower or anything. He rolls up in the synagogue, right? And he pulls out the scroll from Isaiah. Check this out. And he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so he reads from Isaiah, right? Standing there in the synagogue. And then watch what happens. He rolls up the scroll and he gave, it, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Just picture, in your mind, picture this happening, right? He does the reading. He rolls it up. He sits down for a minute. Everybody's just like, what is this guy? What, what's going on? Right? Remember, Isaiah was 700 years earlier. Here's Jesus reading it now. He sits down. Eyes are on him. Right? Where's the, the Holy Spirit part? Well, here... 
And then he does this. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What does he say in that moment? He's like, Today, I'm the guy. I'm the Messiah. I'm the, I'm the promised one. I've, I've come to fulfill what Isaiah had written. Do you have any idea the boldness that would be needed for one to stand up in that setting? You know what happened here? This was where basically they were going to kill this guy. Because he's, he's making himself, he's saying he's God. And so, again, the Jesus came out of the wilderness in power because there was something about to happen that he needed to be in the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish. You see... Oftentimes, you know, in the church, we get so concerned or we get on edge when we start to hear about the things of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, sometimes maybe we've had experience or if you have charismatic friends, you know, the holy rollers, as people call them, you know, you see a lot of that stuff go on. And, and so people sometimes just kind of like, well, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. But we see Jesus walking out his life in stride with the Holy Spirit every step of the way. The Holy Spirit is the one that was empowering him to do the things that he did. You see, the power of God, the power of God appears in our lives when we are fulfilling his mission. The power of God appears in our lives when we're fulfilling his mission. You know, I think uh, maybe some of you have been watching the NFL draft. Anybody knew that was going on? A few people. Okay, NFL is football. <laughs> so they're getting their, their young players, their new players. I don't watch it really. I just kind of find out what's going on. But let me... Imagine if you're watching like an interview with one of these uh, players out of college that are going to go into the NFL, right? Imagine them and they're, they're sitting there, you know, so what's your, what's your, you know, what are you looking forward to, you know, with the, being on this new team and, you know, making it to the NFL and the, the player's like, well, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, a, a front row seat uh, to, on the bench. Um, I don't like to sit really far away from the action or the action. I just want to be on the sideline because um, it's really exciting. It's really exhilarating there. And I, I like the benches. They're pretty, they've got these new ones that are pretty comfortable. I can sit there. Um, somebody can run and get me popcorn. And they actually pay me. They pay me. So I practice all the time, you know, and I work out all the time. But I, I, I want to sit there on the sideline. And, you know, I'm, I'm a really good high-fiver. I high-five, you know, people come off the field, my buddies, and I'm, great job, you know, I'm, yeah, you should be, yeah, you should go out there next. I want to stay here. This is really great. You know, I like to talk to coach a lot. I like to carry his, his headphones when he throws them down. I pick him up and give him his headset back, and, you know, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Has anybody ever seen any kind of interview like that with, no, what are they? You know, I'm ready. I want to get on the field. I want to contribute to this team, and that's at least how they sound to me. Yeah, they do this. <laughs> Um, you know, they're excited. They're stoked. Why? Because they think that they can offer something. They want to jump in and they want to play the game, don't they? That's why they're being drafted is what they're bringing to the table. Not because they're really good at sitting the bench, you know, and holding that bench down and keeping it warm. So, oh, I kept your seat warm. Here, you can sit down. No, they want to get on the field and play, right? How are we doing as a church? So. <laughs> So little digits down there got stepped on, didn't they? I'm stepping on my own toes too today. How are we doing as a church? Are we just, well, you know, I'm really comfortable on my, on my bench, on the seat here on my bench. I, I like watching everything. I like being close to the action, you know, because nobody sits in front of me because I'm so close to the field. And I can feel it. 
you know, it's, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, but I'm not really doing anything. It would be crazy to see an athlete be in that situation where they're just like, yeah, whatever, if I play, it's cool. No, it's not a big deal. Church, it's time for us to get in the game. It's time for us to get back on mission. It's time for the church to get back on purpose to what we're called to do. Is it going to be hard? Can I say heck yeah? I don't know if I can do that. Heck yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Anything that's worth, you know, worth getting up in the morning for is going to be challenging. But aren't you tired of living a lethargic walk with God, a lethargic Christian life where you're just like, you just kind of wander around and like, well, see what happens today. You know why people have, have lost their passion? I'm spitting all over the place today, by the way. I'm sorry. I'm passionate. You know why people have lost their passion? It's because they're not in the game. It's not something that we can like bottle up and save. The Spirit of God is not like that. Do you want to experience power in your life? Do you want to experience the presence of God in your life? Have you grown dry in your walk with God? Then my, my question to you today is, are you in the game or not? And I see, I see lots of ages. And if I can talk to those who are much more seasoned than me, God's still got a plan for your life. The proper vernacular, it ain't over, right? God's got something for you to do. There are people in your circles, there are people in your world that I will never reach, that somebody else will never reach, but God has put you in their life to share the good news with them. But we have to get in the game. If we jump to, to John chapter 3 for a moment, we see this image of, of Jesus when he meets the woman at the well. And this is what he says to her. He says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in what? Spirit and truth. And he goes on, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And so, you know, it's, anybody have a, own a bike or ever ridden a bike? Yeah, it's a bicycle, yes. The thing with pedals, right? You've seen one at least, right? Hanging up in your garage, maybe? Um, how many pedals does a bike have? Two, right? Now, I remember when I was younger, one of my, I was out with my friends and I think I was taking my bike off a sweet ramp or something like that. And I, we landed, and I, I broke the pedal on my bike. If you ever want to see something entertaining, try to see somebody trying to ride a bike with one pedal, right? So I'm like trying to get, I was a ways from home. My bike was my transportation back home. And so I'm sitting there, you know, you're kind of like, you know, on the one side of the pedal, like trying to keep your balance, and you're just trying to keep this one pedal going. It's, it just doesn't work. Don't try it, okay, please. Um, just take my advice. But it doesn't work, does it? You need the two pedals, right? Well, guess what? Spirit and truth are like those two pedals on the bike, right? Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. A lot of the issues that are going on right now with the church, especially uh, maybe all over the world, but the church in America, let's talk about, 
people tend to ditch it into one side or the other. All right? Some people, some churches, it's the word. It's the truth, right? Which is good. Is there anything wrong with preaching the word of God? In this case, it's not Jesus. It's, it's no. Okay. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> no, we, well, this is good. If you're going to ditch it in a side, let me just tell you as your pastor, ditch it in the word of God. You're not going to go wrong. Okay? If you're going to ditch it, do that. All right? Then there's another side, right? We see, again, there's certain churches that go super on the spiritual side. They lose the grounding that the word brings. And that's where they get a little, however you want to call it, you know? They're a little excited. And, you know, they're, they're, the charismatic, all that kind of stuff. Again, we're called to be in the spirit. We're called to, to you know, to ask God, God, empower us by your spirit. But... The real success, the real win comes when we're walking with, our, with spirit. You know, we can be in the things of the spirit. We can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But we're grounded by the truth of God. And that just propels us forward. And we're able to accomplish amazing things because of that. Because of, we're walking in the spirit and truth. Again, when, when Jesus says... Walk in the spirit and truth. You know, worship in spirit and in truth. That's what he's talking about. And so I want to encourage you, and you know, we're going to wrap up here in just a moment, but I want to encourage you as we go through the book of Acts, and you may be challenged. Maybe, maybe you're ditched into the word, you know, which again is nothing wrong with that. It's good. But maybe your life has been dry. Maybe you've walked away kind of from the spirit of God. Maybe things you've seen things that maybe were a little off the charts, and you're like, I don't know about all that. But I want you just to be understanding that. We're called to walk both in the spirit and in truth. And the church is most effective when it's, it's truly walking in both. And so we finish out today in verses 9 through 11 of, of Acts chapter 1. And it says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. These were angels. And said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so you got to give a little slack here, right? These guys, they didn't have airplanes. They didn't have, you know, Marvel movies where you just see, you know, like people flying. That was a pretty big deal, okay? You know, I mean, you're standing next to a guy and... Well, there he goes. You know, wow, I didn't see that one coming. And so, you know, they're pretty, they're kind of standing there like trying to process what they're witnessing. And apparently, it went on, it went on for a while, right? <laughs> they were obviously standing there for a minute. And so, you know, you see the guy standing there, and then the angels kind of come up, like stand like along. What are you doing? <laughs> they're like, like this still? And He's like, why do you stand looking into heaven? And what, basically what these angels were saying is, hey, there's work to do. You had, Jesus gave you the instructions. Jesus gave you what to do next. Why are you standing here staring into the heavens still? You know, okay, I'm going to say this. It, I, I think a lot of us, Myself, I, I, was, I think a lot of times I'm like those disciples like this. 
I don't know if you guys ever grew up in the time, a lot of the songs back in the day, I remember when I was growing up, songs like I'll Fly Away, anybody know that song? Love that song. But we call these songs escape songs, right? You know, some glad morning, when this earth is, I'm trying to remember, or, or is over, by the way, with an apostrophe. I had to learn that when I was a kid. But it says I'll Fly Away. And so what we, what we, what we started to, what you've got to be careful of is that we're not so focused on where we're going to be in eternity that we miss out on what we're supposed to be doing here, that we're supposed to engage now. You know, our job, when we're, at, when we're Christians, we don't, we're not just supposed to hunker down and just, okay, it's time to go, and we go to heaven for eternity, right? And that's, that's what, what, what I believe the angels here were saying to the, like, hey, we got work to do. Let's get going. Let's get on what Jesus said for us to do. And for us as a church, it's the same thing. We are supposed to engage the crazy, the ugly, the difficult, the scary things of life. Why? Because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. In and of ourselves, we're going to fail. In and of ourselves, we can't succeed. We can't win. But in the power of God and walking in stride with the Holy Spirit, victory is ours. Victory is ours. And so I want to ask you this question today. How are we doing as a church? How are, how are you doing? How am I doing? How, how are you doing in the Great Commission? How are you doing walking with the Spirit of God? It's a question probably most of us don't want to really answer. <laughs> or maybe would be embarrassed if we answered but I think in one sense, though, I think you'd be surprised that probably a lot of people sitting around you, myself included, would be about the same where you are. You know, church, my, my passion, my heart, my, my prayer, I, I spend more time being so disappointed with myself, being disappointed with what I know God has called me to and, and why I can't attain that why I can't be consistent, why I have to continually go back and say, Lord, I messed up again. You know, you come to that place and you're just like, God, I know you say your mercies are new every morning, but man, I'm, I'm cashing in on those every day right now. But we don't have to stay there, do we? Do you know that you can live a life in, 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 in victory, you can live. Again, it doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. It doesn't mean you're not going to have difficulties. That's where people get off. You know, in certain areas, they get off into these, like, oh, I think, you know, your best life, you know, all the time and too blessed to be stressed. No, it's going to be hard. <laughs> the disciples, while they were being martyred, I think they would agree that it was hard. But if you asked them if it was worth it, they would say, but with everything within me, yes, it's worth it. It's worth it to follow Jesus, church. It's worth it to be facing whatever it is we're facing today. Do you know why? Who's going to stand against what the enemy's trying to do if it's not you or if it's not me? Who? You see, Jesus already came. He already died on the cross. He already left so that the Holy Spirit could come so we can walk in the same power and authority that Jesus walked in. Not in perfection, 
but in a whole lot of grace. And we can make a difference through the power of the Holy Spirit. The question is, will we? Will we? I, sh I want to be counted. You know, when Jesus returns, should it be in my lifetime, I want to be found doing what he called me to do with all my heart. I want to be found ready. Not saying, you know, in eternity, man, I wish I would have done this or this. I think there's going to be a lot of that for all of us when we see the things that we could have accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's never too late to start. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this, this message that would challenge us, God, as we prepare to go through this book of Acts, Father. God, may we not approach it. May we not approach it from a, a stance of it happening long, long ago, and that was then and this is now. But God, wait, may we recognize that this is the power and authority that you've left for your church. This is the call that still stands today to go into all the world and make disciples, Lord. Not because we're great, but because we serve a great God. Lord, we thank you that you did not leave us alone. You did not leave us to ourselves, but God, that you sent your Holy Spirit, and that we became the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. God, that we don't have to go to a building or we don't have to go to a certain place or to a certain location to, to be in your presence, God, but that we can have that anytime. God, that you promise to never leave us or forsake us. God, forgive us for where we've sat on the bench and we watched others play the game, Lord. God, spur us, Lord, to action. Spur us on to action, Lord God, that we would not stay on the sidelines, God. For you've not called us to that. And Lord, for any person that's in this room or watching online today who don't know you, they don't have a relationship with you, they don't know what it is to walk in the spirit and in truth, Lord God, I pray that today would be that day where they make that decision. God, that they would recognize that they are sinner, that, that we are sinners, all of us, and we need a savior. Lord God, that Jesus, you sent your son, Jesus, Lord, to this earth to pay a price, Lord, that we deserved and to bear the wrath, Lord, of a holy God. Lord, that you died and that you were resurrected on the third day. And as we've seen today, Lord God, that when you left this earth, in, in body, Father. When your son left, you promised to send the Spirit of God to dwell in us and to lead us into guidance. And so, Lord, may we follow that leading today and forever be changed. In Jesus' name.